video conferencing in Jefferson Parish Criminal Courts, and the Honorable Scott Schlegel tells us how. I'm Lawrence Coletti, and this is Legal Talk Today. It's a pleasure to have you on the air with us again, Your Honor. How's everybody doing down there in Louisiana? We're doing well. How about you, Lawrence? I'm doing okay out here. You know, uh, obviously things are a little bit more quiet than normal, but at least I'm getting to meet my neighbors a little bit. (laughs) So anyway, our topic today is about the use of video conferencing in criminal courts. And uh, as I understand it, your court was able to make this happen in fairly short order. So why don't we start from the beginning uh, of that? So history of how all this came together and the driving force that uh, helped push it through. Yeah, sure. So uh, as you and I have discussed on uh, another occasion during the ABA Tech Talk Show a while back, we talked about how we were beginning the process and actually knee deep in the process of modernizing our court systems, both in the civil justice system and the criminal justice system. So we already had a pretty good framework built out and already had years of experience with various technologies uh, that we had implemented from from, from our perspective to, to run our business a little bit better and, and do a better job with the court system as a whole. Excellent. Excellent. And then um, just in terms of the video conferencing element portion of this, you know, what you're allowing versus not allowing in the criminal matter sense. Yeah. So obviously we're all, you know, the the real question is how do you hold court without a building? You know, that's been the challenge for, for, for all of us. And because of our experiences with the uh, video conferencing platforms and our civil side, we were able to, to do a pretty good transition on the criminal side. Obviously, we had a number of difficulties with making sure that the jail had uh, the necessary hardware and necessary speeds uh, within the jail to actually hold video court. So that was the biggest challenge right off the bat. Currently, we were under orders to handle emergencies only, but in Jefferson Parish, uh, we were able to handle more than just emergencies. Uh, clearly, we can't handle our, our typical large criminal justice dockets, but are able to handle uh, preliminary examinations with remote testimony from detectives. We are able to handle our uh, first appearances or bond settings. We are able to actually take guilty pleas that we can talk about a little bit later and um, handle all of our motions to reduce bond, uh, all because we already had a pretty good infrastructure set up in place. I know you have some experience, uh, at least prior to this, uh, working with video conferencing for civil matters, but in terms of special considerations for criminal matters, what were some of the factors that you uh, spent some focus on? First, uh, you have to figure out how to uh, really ease of use. Um, If you can't use these products pretty easily, it's very difficult to get all the different parties uh, when dealing with the criminal justice system, you have to obviously have the DAs present, defense attorneys present, the court reporter, the minute clerks. Um, So ease of use in using these products was important. Security obviously is a big part, but I always like to say we're a public record. So if somebody wanted to come and see my proceeding, uh, they can open the door. So opening the door to the video conferencing is, is not as big of a deal for us from that perspective, we do, however, take those considerations and place people in waiting rooms prior to accessing so that we can ensure that folks aren't diving into the different proceedings uh, and disrupting those proceedings. Uh, make sure that your screen share is turned off. Make sure that recording's turned off. Make sure that all of your settings are in place so that if somebody does get into the video conference, it's in a controlled setting where it's not too disruptive. But obviously, again, we're, we are a public record. So if somebody comes in, it's it's not as big of a deal as if you were talking about trade secrets at your at your corporation. 
Gotcha, gotcha. And then, you know, obviously there's moments in, in, a, in a criminal proceeding where the attorney might want to talk with their client in private. That, were you able to make an accommodation for that? We actually have. So uh, at about, in about 20 minutes, I'll be taking a remote guilty plea. The defense attorney will be uh, remote. The defendant is incarcerated. The, all parties, including the court reporter and myself, are remote. And we have, uh, are using a platform that allows us to place the defendant and the defense attorney into a private virtual room where they can have a confidential conversation between the two of them to determine next steps. And that has enabled us to, allows us to give the attorney and his client an opportunity to fill out any paperwork that they deem necessary before entering to the plea of guilty. Okay. It's just in terms of other criminal courts around the state, uh, Your Honor, are, are you the only one using video conferencing right now for criminal matters? No. The vast majority of courts are now using video conferencing to some extent. It just depends on the jurisdiction and how well the, the justice partners are working together and to what extent their hardware and software can facilitate these types of proceedings. So the judges and all the criminal justice partners in the state of Louisiana are working very hard to prop this system up as quickly as possible. So now that you've gotten a little, uh, I guess, a chance to sort of work out the bugs in the system of, of operating remotely, all in different locations, you know, when the country eventually gets uh, free and clear of all the COVID-19 government mandated shutdowns, are you looking to maybe do this on a permanent basis or is this really kind of more of a temporary thing? There will certainly be times when video conferencing is of great benefit and useful. I think that it will never replace the court rooms in the criminal justice realm. There's something to be said, especially when you get to the uh, jury trials and witness testimony and the ability to see somebody and feel somebody in the flesh is completely different, as, as we all know, on video. Uh, but there are going to be times that it's necessary. There'll be other times where it's actually helpful. I held specialty court, you know, the typical drug court model. I had specialty court this morning. And the ability to at least see the guys and the men and women in our programs. I had one guy say, man, it's good to see you, judge. And, you know, I said I would definitely be using that as an example where the defendant or the guy on probation was happy to see everybody. And that was enabled because of the video conference platform. Yeah, you know, it's amazing how it, uh, I know it's, you know, all visual, but, you know, even with our team over here at the network, you know, it's really nice just to see everybody's face even uh, because we've been so isolated for so long. But uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. So uh, you have a reputation as being a legal technologist from the bench. And, uh, you know, since, uh, since your time there, you've been, you know, moving the court forward with new technology implementations. And so I just wanted, uh, you know, some of the ones that stand out for you, especially right now, as they've become very important. What are some of the technological measures you've been implementing to keep the court system moving? So in addition to the video conferencing platform, just being able to understand your workflow. So, you know, how do you take a guilty plea remotely? Uh, well, it's important to digitize your forms. So we've been working, uh, Document has digitized the forms that we need to be able to, when I put that defense attorney into the virtual conference room with his or her client, they're able to go through a plea of guilty form pretty easily, they're able to then convert it into a PDF automatically that looks like a physical pleading. My team uses Slack, so they then Slack it over to me. I'm reading it to the criminal defendant after they come into the, the regular courtroom and go through the colloquy with the defendant. And while that's all taking place, 
the form has been emailed over to the jail. They print it and the defendant signs it and e-files it and I e-sign it and we're done. And so that just understanding your workflow and understanding the products that exist out there in order to make this a seamless transition has been exceptional with the off the shelf products that exist in the private sector. Excellent. Excellent. And so uh, uh, some of that answered my next question here, but uh, I wanted to ask this on behalf of judges and justices around the country right now that are looking either to implement some video conferencing or maybe some technology solutions. They've been a little hesitant uh, before the COVID-19 shutdowns to do so. In terms of that, do you have some advice for them? Just start. A lot of these uh, products look scary on the front end, but when you start understanding how they fit within your workflow and start understanding that most of the things that we do are public record, it makes it a lot less scary. And if you simply built a website, as we did one week before this pandemic hit, courtonline.us, start integrating these video conferencing platforms to make it convenient, start integrating these digital forms online, start utilizing online calendaring. Those three products that I just mentioned will cost any court under $1,000 easy, probably closer to $500, to really change the entire system and make it more efficient and more effective. And then once we get through this pandemic, in order to, to continue business, we're not going to be able to have these large dockets anymore. We're not going to be able to have 100 people in a courtroom. So we're going to have to learn to use these calendaring with email and text reminders to stagger our dockets so that we have 10 at 9, 10 at 10, 10 at 11, 10 at 12, and really stagger through so that we can get through, uh, obviously not as many cases, but stagger it so that folks aren't coming into as close proximity, physical proximity, as you would when you just have a typical docket of 100 folks in your courtroom. All right. So just uh, one last question for you, Your Honor. Um, and this has to do with leadership. And so obviously, country's going through some hard times right now. And, uh, you know, I've been paying attention to how people respond to it. And I've watched people step up. And so there was a, a NOLA article that I read and had a great quote from you. And, and you said, we're trying to do more than just emergencies. We're trying to keep some sort of normalcy and prop up each part of the system where we can. And so uh, just as a follow-up question to that in regards to leadership, why is maintaining normalcy so important right now? These are extremely difficult times. They're extremely heart-wrenching at times. And to be able to kind of keep going about your day-to-day business the best you can and keep having access to justice, which is so important to our community, especially during stressful times, You know, we need to be able to do as much of the people's business as we can so that they can continue with their lives as well. And if we shut the court down fully, there's very few places that you can go to have your uh, disputes or your issues resolved. And it's important for us to still be accessible to everybody so that they can continue with their lives. And at some point, this pandemic will end and we will be open for business again. And it's important for us to not have such a big hole to dig ourselves out of. If we can keep some sort of normalcy, hopefully that hole will be a little bit smaller. And hopefully we can help some folks throughout this process continue to live their lives as as normal as possible during these tough times. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Your Honor. And if our our listeners have questions, want to reach out, how can they find you? Uh, They can go to courtonline.us courtonline.us and take a look at our website. And obviously they can shoot me an email at scott s at 24jdc.us if I can be of any help to 
any court systems and talk through your technology needs, I'm happy to do it. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate us in your favorite podcasting app. Also, we'll cite our sources for this episode on LegalTalkNetwork.com. And speaking of which, uh, hat tip to NOLA.com for your article, Jefferson Parish Courts Using Video Conferencing During Coronavirus Shutdown by Michelle Hunter. Great article. Thank you very much for writing that. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Stay strong, everybody. (laughs) 